Alrighty, and welcome to the Butler Sports Buffet, the show with all the athletics you can handle. I'm your host, Ethan Pollock, and today I'll be joined later by my co-host and Jake Kaufman. But first, let's run down some of the headlines and topics for today's show. First off, the Butler football team ended their season with a win against Marist 28-21. Also, the Butler cross-country team had some solid finishes at the NCAA championship meet, led by Simone Bedar and Angelina Ellis. Finally, the men's basketball team dropped their last two games this week against some of the elite programs in Michigan State and number 12, Houston. Alrighty, for the first meal, we'll be chowing down on the Butler football team. All right, I'd like to welcome on my co-host now, Jake Kaufman, as we're going to be getting to start uh, digging into the Butler football team. So, Jake, before we get into it, how is it going so far? I'm doing all right, man. I mean, it's good that we're, you know, we're back for a second episode. We're, we're getting some consistency. Uh, obviously, we're doing it a little bit differently today because uh, we're all back for Thanksgiving. But um, we got some good stuff to talk, dive into today. Yep, absolutely. As we all headed back, so we're all kind of doing this from different locations uh, as everyone kind of went back for break. But we still got some Butler sports to cover, and that's what we're going to be uh, trying to get into right now. So, obviously, the Butler football team played their final se- or game of the season uh, last week where they played on Saturday. They played Marist and ended up winning the game. It was at Marist. It was not at uh, the lovely Budden Jal- Bud Jackie Selick Bowl, excuse me. Uh, but a, the Bulldogs were able to pull it off in a, an amazing win. They had uh, scored 14 points in the second quarter and 14 more in the fourth, so we were able to pull it off late in the game and Finished the season with a three and eight, uh, or an overall record of three and eight. So, are you proud of how the Bulldogs pulled off this final win, Jake? I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, if everyone knows, it's been not been the best of seasons for the Bulldogs. But um, you know, it's good that they because this was their first and only conference win. It's good that they could at least get one in there, and um, they're not going to be proud of the season looking back going three and eight. But um, there's some players that stepped up in the end for today, especially um. Joey Succi, the guy rushed for uh, 75 yards and two touchdowns. And uh, I think most impressively, Butler, they didn't, Butler didn't, Butler quarterback, Brett Bushka didn't even throw for a touchdown through two interceptions. They were still able to pull out the win. So it's good for them on that. Obviously, you know, they're going to, next season, they're going to hope to be better, but it's good to get at least that one last, to win your last game, of course, and to get your last one in conference play as well. Absolutely. Being able to have some sort of momentum and kind of go out on a high note is always big, especially for those seniors on senior night. I mean, we held it last or two weeks ago as they were able to play their last game at Butler. But now being able to actually win their last game, especially after last season, not going or not winning a single game last season during the COVID season, it was shortened. But being able to end on a good note is always good for those seniors. And it was always uh, good because the rushing attack has always been one of the best things that Butler has had all season long. And be able to now see, or I guess Butler was trying to get a little bit more of the younger guys involved with obviously Joey uh, Suchi. Uh, who is a redshirt freshman. So he, he's on the younger side and be able to see him getting all this rush or rushing yards. He had 75 on the day and two rushing touchdowns. So to be able to have him uh, show that much potential is humongous for Butler going forward and looking ahead to next season as their main guy, AJ uh, Dinehart is a redshirt junior. So he's a little bit older. He brings experience, but still being able to see Suchi have such a successful game is amazing. And, uh, we can continue to keep talking about some of the wide receivers as well. I mean, Bushka still completed 16 of, uh, of his 23 passes for 176 yards. Yes, he threw 10 interceptions, but he still was able to find Johnny O'Shea uh, and uh, his guy, Yogi Flodger, uh, for plenty of yards. Uh, O'Shea had 74 on the day and uh, Flodger had 60. So between the two of them, it was a really good season. The defense held up late as they were they were up 28 to 14, almost gave up a touchdown or actually they gave up a touchdown with three seconds left. So, but being able to 
hold them off and get that final win is humongous for the Bulldogs. And it's great to see them be able to pull it off. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, obviously we're playing in a school and where football is not the primary thing, but I think it's always going to be good. And I've seen, you know, hopefully in the future, you know, we can get a more of a football culture here at Butler because I don't know. I think we have a passionate fan base for sports as a whole. And um, if in a year, next year or so, the team starts to get better, I think it'll be fun buzz around campus. All righty. So that'll do it for our Butler football section as it was a great season, the boys, and we're going to be looking forward to them coming back next season. And, but now we're going to be moving on to the Butler cross country team as for the first time, the men since uh, 2005, the men and women's team qualified for national meet. And so they competed this weekend in Tallahassee, Florida. And it was, we had some pretty solid finishes, right, Jake? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, for the men's team, Simon Bedard, um, you know, followed up on his winning his biggest title and regional crown with a top 60 finish and finishing in 60 itself. And um, while the men's team overall finished with 28th and um, obviously, and we talked a little bit before, but, you know, there was an adjustment for these runners having to um, run in a humid place like Florida after coming from the mid Midwest, which I know you can touch a little bit more on. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, the, being able as a, as a cross country runner, trying to switch from the cold weather that the cross country team had to compete in as they ran in the Big East, they ran all their meets pretty much in, in the Indiana region in the Indiana region. Butler hosted the Big East uh, uh, conference championship, which it was in Indiana. The regional crown champion was in Evansville, Indiana. So all the races they ran was in Indiana or North pretty much. <laughs> they never really went South uh, or more South than Indiana. So there, this was their first time going in this humid, uh, I guess, humid weather. And obviously it showed as a little, it was a little bit more rough around the edges, but still some solid finishes. You mentioned Simone Bedard getting uh, top 60s. Obviously he finished last year, I believe in 34th he was at Nationals. So still being able to compete was still pretty good. And he still had a great season. He took home the Big East title and the regional crown. I mean, he finished individually first in both of those races. And then a top 60 finish to put a cherry on top of his final season with the Bulldogs in the cross country, our final year of eligibility for cross country uh, was great to see. And then Barry Keene, another great, uh, great finish for him. He finished a hundred. So top 100 for him, always a great claim to fame. And then a few other mentions, uh, Pierre Louis uh, DeBort, obviously it was their third runner across the line in 185th, Will Manette in 196 and Clark Otten 218. So, but overall it was a solid race. It was filled with uh talents or so much so much talent this year uh northern arizona ended up winning it uh it was there by far they were the number one team all season long and they they seemed like they deserved it and but as a team butler finished obviously you said 28th and so it was it was overall great season and so i mean it was great to have both teams uh make it that far and i mean people see 28th and feel like that sucked but i think they're going to be overlooking the fact that this was such an accomplished season for these guys and uh uh since they are a little bit more of a younger team besides uh, Simone Bedard, he's gone, but Barry Keen should be back next year. Uh, there's still a chance for these guys to be able to have another great season next season. So it's a bright future for them. So, but we're going to be moving on to talking quickly about the women's cross country team as well, as they finished 29th as a team. So do you want to talk a little bit about that, Jake? Yeah. So um, they finished 29th and obviously um, it was the first time the women's team had um made the nationals since 2005. So obviously that in itself making it is a good achievement. And, um, you know, four people finished in the top 200. They had, um, Cammy Hankings, a senior finished first for, I mean, was our first finisher in one nineteenth. Then Angelina Ellis was one twentieth right behind her. Then Mia Beckham finished one eighty seventh. Quinn Shanahan, one eighty ninth, And Emily 
right? So when I fifth, and obviously, you know, when you make it to nationals at first time, you want to, you know, say, oh, let's get first place and stuff. But I think you have to think of it this season as a very great, very good building block for the women's cross country team, considering, you know, it had been 16 years since they made it. While we obviously would have loved for them to finish higher, I think this is a really good achievement for the women's cross country team. Absolutely. As coming into this season, they were really, really underrated as nobody, uh, nobody really believed in them as I mean, the men's team, they were, they came into the season ranked, I believe number 10 as like a preseason ranking number 10, which was the highest they've ever come into a season, uh, ranked that high, which actually it was number nine, excuse me. Uh, but the women's team, they were supposed to finish seventh in the regional and nobody really believed in them. And the fact that they were able to still sneak into the NCAA championship is humongous for them. And that, that's an accomplishment on its own. And some honorable mentions is I know Angelina Ellis was their number two, but she's been by far the most consistent runner all season long. She finished as an all, uh, all big East, all, all regional honors for both of those races as she finished in the top 20 for both of those. And so for her to be able to have uh, another great season is humongous. And for the women to obviously make it and not, not only make any score, they didn't, they didn't get last. So they got 29th is still an accomplishment. I think both the men's and women's team should be very proud because it's only the third time in program history that both uh, the men's and women's cross country teams have ever made it. So still a great season. And so shout out to the cross country team for making it that far and congrats on being able to make it. And hopefully we'll be back or be able to run it back for another season next season. So, mm-hmm. all right, I'll do it for our cross country uh, section of this podcast. We'll move to our final part about the men's basketball team as so after they start off the season three and oh they're now dropped their last two games against michigan state and number 12 houston all righty now on to our final segment of today it'll be about the butler men's basketball team as uh they have been they had a little bit uh, rougher week this week to say the very least as on wednesday they dropped their uh first game of the season at home against Michigan State when Tom Izzo and company came and kind of controlled the game pretty early as Michigan State would end up pulling away 73-52 to 52 in this game. It was a little bit rougher around the edges. Jake, do you have a little bit more on this? Yeah, and um, before I get into the basketball thing, I do want to give um, Butler credit for um, they did uh, the doing the Zan Corman tribute um, before the game. Um, I, me and Ethan were both at the game, and I think it was very special for what they did. Um, I think most people listening are going to know who that was and what, he, what a big – deal he meant and um as honestly said you know knowing that he was going to be one of the managers and um i'm just glad with what they did with that and doing that but moving on to the game i mean michigan state just outplayed us um butler's main issue when we're struggling is because we're we're not usually not shooting well from the field and turning it over and those were both things that were pretty big issues against michigan state we finished with 14 turnovers um we only shot 29 percent from the field and you know against a a team of that level it's not really going to cut it um also just having Three, there's three double digit scores for uh Michigan State. We only had two. Obviously, Bryce Enzi got injured and that made it play a role, but it was just overall, it was a difficult game to watch. Being there, you know, it was ex- you were it was very hyped up, you know, it was gonna be one of the better games of the season. So it was a little unfortunate, you know, it wasn't closer in the end. I know it was a little bit rough, but I think the injury was the biggest part that kind of swung it uh, or basically swung the doors open as as soon as Bryce Enzi went down, uh Butler had to try and find a replacement. And the entire game they spent trying to find who could be able to replace it. And especially what the biggest issue was, is that Michigan State was a, the one thing that Michigan State is very, very, very good at is rebounding. And that is because they are very tall. They are very, they have very big size 
they are huge and they're a lot taller than this Butler team. So they were able to out rebound us. Like I believe they had 41 rebounds to our 25. So you could tell who was controlling the paint, obviously this entire game. And so when a team is controlling the paint, especially when they're at a way as Butler was hoping to try and use Hinkle advantage or Hinkle Fieldhouse to their advantage, kind of get the Hinkle magic going, as we like to say. And when, uh, when your best player, uh, at least most valuable player goes down and you're trying to find a replacement and you're struggling to find someone who could actually control the paint because uh, John Michael Malloy uh, had to play significant minute or significant minutes this, uh, this game where he played 11 minutes, which is the most he's had this season so far. So when he was playing that much and then Miles Wilmoth was playing more, they were trying to find who could be able to try and fit that last spot in the lineup. And obviously making mid-game adjustments like that is very hard. And so obviously it did not end up uh, coming up in Butler's favor, but I still think they fought really, really hard. They forced uh, a very disciplined Michigan State team to turn the ball ball over 20 times, uh, which is definitely very unconventional for Tom Izzo's team as he is a Hall of Fame coach. You'd think his players will will be able to make sure they control the ball, but Butler was able to get into their heads. I think the fans were getting to get into their heads a little bit, but Obviously, Michigan State pulled off of this win, and so that's what sucks about it. But um, they, there's still hope because during the Gabbard tip-off games, uh, which is the big uh, reason why Butler was playing Michigan State in the first place, um, despite the loss, the Big East still takes a win in this one. As we're going to talk a little, talk a little bit more about the broader spectrum of this, is because it still helps Butler as a basketball team and their future of trying to make the march later this season because. The Big East finished six and two at the get tip off games with three Big East teams uh, joining the AP poll rankings after knocking off some Big East team or some Big Ten team. Excuse me. So they had teams like Seton Hall knocked off number four, Michigan. They had Marquette go and knock off number 10, Illinois. They had uh, Xavier go and knock off, uh, I believe, Ohio State, who was ranked at the time. So. Being able to have these uh, teams go out and play very, very well is humongous for Butler, specifically because it builds the resume of the Big East. It makes them look better, which is eventually going to help Butler once the Big East conference play starts. So I think that's humongous. I'm really looking forward to it. And I mean, it's something that's going to help Butler in the long run, because once again, I'll, I'll quickly explain why is if Butler of if, Yukon if, uh, can, can use or continues to keep winning these games and Butler ends up uh, sneaking away with um, an upset against them. Well, their win looks a lot better in the long run and leading to a better chance for them to make it. So that kind of makes any sense. That's how college basketball works for a few people who don't really know the the ways of trying to sneak into the March Madness tournament. And that's how the uh, NCAA committee has done it for many years. So very big hopes and dreams for our Butler team. But right now we got to focus on the team itself and trying to fix ourselves before we're trying to worry about the big East in general. All right. So now we'll move on to the next game that happened. Uh, I believe on November 22nd uh, was the start of the Maui invitation, excuse me, the Las Vegas invitational because uh, the t- uh, tournament was moved from Maui to Las Vegas due to COVID reasons leading to them now playing in Vegas, which is still a pretty fun place to be playing. Uh, to be played. And in the tournament, there is a lot of great teams and Butler got, uh, got the, I guess, lucky draw. If you want to call it that I'll, I'd rather call it an unlucky draw. And they drew the number 12 ranked team in the country in Houston. And that game was a little bit more rough around the edges as well. Jake, do you have more on this? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, it started off from the beginning. Um, it was a Houston started off the game on a seventeen nothing run, and honestly, the closest Butler got it in the second half was twelve, and it's just like Houston just showed that they were the better team. Um, one of their not even the, one of their bigger names, at least in it, coming into the game, Fabian White Jr. had twenty one points, and. Overall, the, the way Houston defends, it just really amazed me. Um, Butler really struggled getting into their sets early. A lot of times we're having to take shots that were tough at the end of the shot clock. And Butler, there's not many open baskets at all for the Bulldogs. Um, and overall, Butler, again, we talked about with the Michigan State, but Butler struggled shooting from the field again. And in this game, had a few more turnovers than you'd like to finish with 20. So there was just a number of different things. Houston just, Butler played into Houston's hands and Houston took advantage of almost every opportunity that they could and won pretty convincingly in Butler's defense Houston was a final four team last season as they were one of the teams that made it all the way to there and lost to the eventual champions in Baylor so this team has the experience of being able to make it in March Madness and be able to come back and I know Butler has experience because we're really old we have a lot of graduates and seniors on the team but I think the fact that Houston has all this experience with the actual tournament gave them a little bit more of an advantage experience wise. But I think the big uh, story that came from this was the fact that Butler did not start the game off well at all as they went or they started off the game down 17 to nothing. So that obviously didn't help. I mean, Laval Jordan talked about, he said coming out of the gates, obviously the physicality on the defense of end by Houston kind of set the tone for the game and had us on our heels for the rest of the game. And so he bring up, he brought up a good point because they being able to try and work back from being down or down 17 to nothing is very, very hard. And it showed that who was ready for this game and who wasn't. And obviously with our younger guys and they're uh, basically traveling for the first time, because as a team last year, they didn't really get to travel as much due to COVID. Some of our younger guys like Chuck Harris, uh, Miles, say miles, we want, they didn't get to do that as sophomores. They didn't travel as much. And then obviously our freshmen as well. It was a little bit harder experience wise. And Laval, try, or Laval tried to rely more on his experienced guys. And they also struggled. So just a little bit of uh, issues all the way around. Obviously, shooting has been the number one uh, issue, I believe, because um, the more we're playing, continuing to keep playing into def- uh, defenders' hands is uh, we have shot below 40% from the field in the last two games and that needs to be fixed. Cause you're not going to win games like that when you're only scoring 50 points per game. So that's a big story point as well. But I think one more we'll uh, go into depth on is Ben. I think the big, I mean, I keep saying the biggest issue, but I think a new void that has been uh, put into this Butler basketball team is obviously we mentioned earlier with Bryce Enzi, but who is really going to be filling up that spot as Bryce Enzi is now going to be out with a torn labrum. So he's going to be in his shoulder. He'll be out four to six weeks at the very least. And so that means with all this time uh, with him going to be gone, who is going to be filling up that spot, as I said? And Jake, do you have any ideas about this? Well, yeah. I mean, they started Ty Gross in the game against Houston, and he played okay. Um, he brings a very different dimension. He plays very differently than Enzi does. The only thing that they would really share is common is being a little bit having the bigger size. But so I think Ty Gross is probably going to continue getting the starts for now. And I think that they're going to probably try to combine that with him and Miles Wilmoth's minutes, maybe for Wilmoth to a little bit like extra um, or like some extra defensive possessions. But I think Ty Gross is going to be the main beneficiary, partially because, you know, he's played pretty well. And also because he does have experience. He's a 
graduate transfer and uh, he's played at West Michigan. So I think Laval is going to trust his experience over than, let's say, putting Wilmeth or someone else that's younger in the starting lineup. So, yeah. I know. I, I mean, I agree with ideas as I, I think you should try and get some of these younger guys more playing time. But I like the fact that Ty Gross is now in the starting lineup. I think is it a great addition as he's been playing very well coming off the bench. So now for him to get some starting minutes, we'll get to see if he's really capable of all these uh, uh, I guess abilities that he's been t- are talked about as obviously he, he's a transfer from Eastern Michigan and all this skill as he's been t- uh, said to be able to guard all five positions and he's uh, in his all his time playing basketball. He's played every position except for point guard. So this guy can be able to, he's a very versatile player, as you said, and being able to have him in the lineup is big and he's still been putting up a decent amount of points every single game. He still has scored double digits this, uh, this week. And he's been shown, or excuse me, this game against Houston. And he was one of the few guys that was able to get to the free throw line very often. It shows his aggression towards the paint. And so, but I think one player we need to talk about before we go, uh, or at least uh, yeah, before we go, is about Chuck Harris. Chuck Harris was completely shut down in this game as he only shot one of six from the field, one of five from the three-point line. Houston centered it on him, and that is the big reason why uh, Butler struggled on offense is because Butler tends to really rely on the production of Chuck Harris, and when he's kind of slowing down, the rest of the offense slows down. So I think we're going to maybe see some more adjustments being made with the playing times of all these different players. I mean, Jair Bolden, who's coming off the bench, had 16 points off the bench, 14 points in the first half. Uh, he scored Butler's first 12 points before anybody else contributed uh, when Jaden Taylor made a layup. So that shows you how uh, one side of the offense was in the first half, in which when you score 20 points total in the first half, you're not going to win a college basketball game like that. So, but. Overall, I think this team has got some hope. This was just a rough week with the teams that they had to play, and there's gonna, it's only going to get better from here as their next game is going to be against Texas A&M uh, as they have two more games left in this Maui Invitational. So despite the loss, they still get to play a few more games, get a little bit more experience, try and prove themselves that they are a little bit better and that these opponents have just been very, very good at they've, who they've had to play so far. So we'll be looking forward to them and cheering them on and as they enjoy being in Vegas for the next few days and we'll see where they end up uh, next week. So, all righty, before we go, as usual, I have a few quick shout outs for some of the other Butler athletic programs. We didn't have enough time to get to first off, shout out to the Butler women's volleyball team for going out on the final game of their season with a bang, knocking off Xavier at home. Seniors, Melody Davidson, Brittany Robinson, and Jillian Ziemba played their hearts out in their last game in a Butler uniform. Also, shout out to Alex Richard for another solid week for the Butler women's basketball team. She averaged 14 points per game and shot 64% from the field. That's going to do it for our second episode of the Butler Sports Buffet podcast. I want to thank Jake for hopping on with me, as well as a special thanks to our producer, Eric Barnes, and all the work you do behind the scenes. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone listening. I'm looking forward to being back here next week for some more Butler sports content. For the Butler Collegian, I'm Ethan Pollock. Go dogs!